The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless, then the second, and the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you very much for the music that you sang this morning. I really liked it. I've got something to say. This morning, we heard a story that Jesus was telling. And these people were trying to trip Jesus up, and he, he answered them in a really good way. And the story is kind of complicated, but there's one thing at the center of the story that I think tells us everything that Jesus is trying to say. Jesus says that we, you and me and everybody here, are children of God. We're children of God. What does it mean to be a child? What's that mean? Yeah. Oh. Um, a person. A person. That's right. First and foremost, a person. What else? A kid. A kid. Someone young, right? What else? Do kids live on their own? No. no. Grown-ups. Yeah, they live with grown-ups. They live with someone who cares for them. Youngsters. Youngsters, yeah. That's right. So kids are, children are someone who need, uh, who are young, who need help, who are given that help by people around them, like parents and grandparents. What else? Um, I have a question. Um, 
Are adults like brothers a God? That's a good question. What happens to adults? Are they children of God too? Yes. They are. I'm a child of God. Now, I might not be young, but I still need God to take care of me, and I still learn from God, and I still need God to help. How about some of the oldest people in our congregation? Are they children of God? Yeah. Yeah? Everybody is a child of God. God cares for all people. God loves all people. God wants the best for all people. And God works for all people. We're all children of God. Now, it feels weird to say, doesn't it? Normally, I would say, when I was a child, I was a child of my parents. And my parents still think of me as their child. When you're a child, you're a child of the people who care for you, right? That's, that's how it normally goes, right? And I have a question. Real quick. But also, we're children of God. Why do you need that? Oh, it's a microphone. Oh. It's so people can hear. Hmm. But I want to practice something. Can you repeat after me? Yeah. All right, here we go. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. He is a child of God. She is a child of God. He's a child of God. He's a child of God. She's a child of God. All of these people are childs of God. Children of God. Children. I messed up the plural. That's okay. All of these people are children of God. You can stop repeating after me. Okay. Thank you. When, we're, when we see everybody as children of God, I believe that the way we see people changes. Because God wants good for God's children, right? Yeah. Well, that means that God wants good for everyone we see. So this week I have some, like the whole entire world. So this week I have something I want you to do. Wherever you are in a vehicle, whether it's in, you know, a car and you're driving around with your parents or you're on the bus or anywhere else, I want you to look out the window and I want you to look at everybody you see. I want you to think they are a child of God and they are a child of God and they are a child of God. They're all God's children and God loves them all and God cares for them all. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Why, yes. Good. Should we say a prayer? No. Yes. Yeah. Why, yes. Let's say a prayer. Gracious God, we're very thankful. We're thankful that we are your children, that you care for us and teach us and love us no matter what. Help us to see all the people here and all the people throughout the world as your children and help us to share these same gifts of love and teaching and care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Who cares for the widow? I think that's at the heart of the text. I think that's at the heart of what Jesus is answering. That's at the heart of the Sadducees' question. Who cares for the widow? Whose responsibility is it? Whose job is it? Who should be caring for the widow? Now, the Sadducees, they don't believe in the resurrection. This story is in a series of stories in this part of Luke where they're asking questions over and over to try to trip Jesus up. And the Sadducees, not believing in the resurrection, are trying to talk about the resurrection in a way that makes the resurrection seem foolish. For example, the resurrection might cause a lot of problems if we take all of the law that God has given us with us. Like this one. And so the Sadducees put forward this scenario where two people married to one another are childless and the husband dies. The wife is left without someone to provide and without a means to provide for herself. In this point in time, when this was written, she couldn't provide for herself. It wasn't allowed in society. And so the law had a way of caring for this woman. The law said that if this widow had no children, then one of the brothers steps in. One of the brothers marries the widow, and for the widow provides household and food and shelter and even family. Now, there's lots of ways for us to see today that this feels weird and different from what we're used to, right? We don't pass people along from person to person without their say-so. That's not how we treat people now. And that's good. But this, this issue at the center isn't, isn't the oddness of the law compared to now. The center of the issue is who's responsible for caring for the widow? And the law was clear. Once the brother died, then the next brother, then the next, then the next was responsible for the widow. And so in this scenario, all of the brothers die, all seven of them, and the widow. And then the Sadducees ask the question that is meant to make Jesus look foolish. In the resurrection, in life again, we're all going to be alive. So, because of this law that God has given, who's responsible for the widow? Someone got the right answer. Did I hear God? Yeah. Awesome. God. That is Jesus' response to the Sadducees. In the resurrection, we are neither married nor given in marriage. In other words, we do not pass people around in the resurrection like we do here. In the resurrection, we are neither married nor given in marriage, for we are all children of God. We are all cared for by God. So, Jesus' answer to who cares for the widow? God. God cares for the widow. Now we have this baseline of what Jesus expects. But we also have an understanding beyond this text of who we are as Christians and how God operates in the kingdom of God. How God would work is how Jesus expects the disciples to work. What God would do is what Jesus expects from the disciples. The actions of Christ are meant to be patterns 
for the actions of Christians. In other words, we look for the way that God would live and we do it. It's the same as in our prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as in heaven. The ways of the resurrection are meant to be the ways for us here. And so the story isn't over, is it? We know who cares for the widow in the resurrection. But we must ask and continue to ask, who cares for the widow now? Who cares for the one who is in need now? Who cares for the poor, the orphan, the sick now? Who cares for the alien now? Who cares for the ones who have no one to care for them now? If we answer like we do in the resurrection, God cares for the ones who are in need. God cares for the widow. God cares for the poor. God cares for the hungry. God cares for the sick. Then if we call ourselves Christians, we must live our life just like Christ. We are the ones who care for the poor. We are the ones who care for the sick. We are the ones who care for the orphan. We are the ones who care for the hungry. If we see what God does, we do it too. Resurrection is not only life in the future, it is life in the present and it is life in the past. Life without end. We are called to live as resurrection now. Now this might seem like tremendous work because much like the task that was given to the children, I look out the window as I'm driving and while, yes, paying attention to the traffic around me and road laws and regulations, I also pay attention to the people. And there's a lot of hurt and need in the world. And then more than that, not just when I'm driving, but when I'm talking with people, when I'm interacting with people, I listen to people, there's a lot of hurt and need in the world. And the hurt and the need can be overwhelming to the point where I understand that as a Christian, I am meant to live like Christ. But as a human being, I feel that I am limited. I am finite. And I cannot possibly accomplish it all. You as an individual are not meant to accomplish all of it. You as an individual are meant to engage with what comes near you. To engage with what reaches your ears. To engage with what reaches your heart. To engage with your neighbors. Who cares for the widow? Who cares for these people? God and us. God and us. We do. I believe this to be good news. When we are doing well and when our lives are just mundanely active, when I say mundanely active, I mean the day-to-day -day regular, regular ways of living that seem so full that nothing else could possibly be done, but inevitably when crisis comes crashing in, we find a way to do more. When our lives are mundanely active, it seems like too much of a burden to bear to help our neighbor, doesn't it? 
But God has thought fit to weave our lives into one another's so that the one who has need can be helped. And God has also seen fit to weave our lives into one another's so that when we have need, we can be helped too. We are a communion, a community of people. And so when you find yourself as the widow, when you find yourself as the one in need, you have an entire body of Christ who has been taught. Who cares for you in your hour of need? God. And who cares for you in your hour of need? We do. Now I know that the church has failed in this from time to time and I know that communities have failed in this from time to time but this is nonetheless the epitome of what we strive for. Who cares for those in need? God. Who cares for those in need? We do. We do. We do. So God be with you this week as you interact with the world around you and you hear and you feel the hurt and the pain. God be with you this week if it seems like too much. God be with you this week if you are indeed the orphan or the widow. God be with you this week as our lives are woven together and God cares for us and we care for one another too. God be with you. Amen.